I am, as always, one half of the Adaptable crew. My name is Matthew Monagle. I am a, a film critic and a culture writer. I write for sites like uh, Film School Rejects. I've written for a bunch of others. You know my name. You know who I am. It's cool. And with me, as always, is my uh, wonderful, charming co-host. Uh, do your own introduction, though. I'm too lazy to do it for you. I am uh, one quarter of your host, Brock Wilbur. I think the other quarter are these cats making all this sound. Come on, it's cats. true. Calm down. There are a lot of there are a lot of cats in your house. I've seen it. There, there are. Uh, they're the producers of our show. Uh, that's uh, how this goes. Um, yeah, I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm a video game critic. Uh, me and Matt, uh, we're both like we should do a podcast based on talking about uh, board games adapted from source material. And he wanted to do movies, and I wanted to do games, and so uh, here we are in this unholy mashup of our similar interests, but not as if like we have separate interests. You like video games, and I enjoy movies. I've seen a movie once or twice. Like it's, <laughs> I've played a video game once or twice, so we, we're wow. vaguely aware of what the other ones do. We've dabbled in each other's worlds. Who would have thought? <laughs> I'm extraordinarily bad at Apex Legends, if that matters to anyone out there. I'm not better. It's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and this week on the show, we are going to be talking about a video game adaptation. Um I don't remember which one of us saw this first. Brock, I think it was you that pointed out that This War of Mine, um, which is a, a, formerly an indie video game about basically living in a war zone, had become a board game. And I think you were basically like, I don't know how this works, so we have to play it. I, it was back when we were first kicking around the idea of doing the show, and I was like, I just saw that this exists. There can be no reason for it to exist why, why would anyone choose to do this? I'm very interested. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been one that, like, from the from the start of the show, I was like, I just got to have a reason to, to go buy this and give this a swing. And uh, I think we're both happy that we did in different ways. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very different ways. But let's start a little bit, because um, I've played the video game a, a bit, um, just to, under, to understand the mechanics and kind of the gameplay of it. But... Can you provide a little bit of background on what the game is and how it plays and et cetera, et cetera? Uh, so the video game is called This War of Mine. Uh, it is a game that came out originally in uh, 2014, I believe. Uh, and it's from a Polish studio called 11-Bit Studios. And it is set in what is ostensibly the 1992 uh, Bosnia-Sarajevo-like uh, 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 raid. Uh, during that period that the the city was being heavily bombed and no one could get out. Um, but it is practically uh, set in the fictional city of uh, Pogorin Grznavia, which is just a made-up European city, but this European city could be so many European cities at so many different times from World War II uh, onward. Uh, and what happens is that you open with uh, a house. Uh, it is a house that has been uh, sort of bombed out and the area around you has been bombed out but it is still a functional house. Um, and you start with between one and four survivors. And all the people that you can play as in this game do not have like a military background. They're just people, men and women, caught in a siege of a city. Uh, and no one knows when the ceasefire will come. So what you do is that you 
try to find a way to survive. You're just strangers, and some of you have skills that will help, and some of you have problems. Like, everyone sort of has pluses and minuses, like a normal human being would have. Uh, and you have to try to figure out where you go from here. Uh, and so, in, in practical terms, there's sort of a day and a night cycle. And in the day cycle, you're in the house, and you can try to build things, you can try to work on projects, you can try to make the house better and safer. You can talk to each other and try to, you know, lift each other's spirits. Uh, at night, you have to choose who is going to be guarding the house uh, from from raiders, uh, who is going to be sleeping so that they have enough energy to, to participate in the next day. And you can pick somebody that you can send out to scavenge, and they can go out to one of many different uh, locations in the city. And then as the story progresses, more of those locations open up. Sometimes you get to a place that's completely empty, like everyone's fled and you're sort of scavenging and, and you find stuff, things that are of greater and lesser usage, but everything you can sort of do something with at some point. Like there's like a teddy bear you can find and, you know, you could maybe sell that to somebody in exchange for a small amount of food or something. You're you're trying to manage a way of surviving, but also as part of these raids, you can carry basically what you know a normal person could carry in their pockets and maybe a backpack. Uh, so you'll often come to a place and like, well, I could took, I could take like 11 or 12 things. That's about the, the run of it. Other times you'll show up somewhere and um, maybe it's filled with uh, military dudes and uh, or or robbers that have guns and they're there or, or just normal people with guns who are there to defend themselves and they'll just shoot you on sight. Uh, so you've got to sneak around them or uh, there are situations where maybe you'll come upon a house. It's stocked with food, uh, but there's just an old couple that live there. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're going to try and take their stuff, they're going to yell at you a bunch. But at, at some point, maybe the old man tries to attack you and then. If you're really serious about this and you're going to get out of there with the stuff that you've taken, you're going to kill him. Uh, and uh, so everything that you do has terrible consequences. Uh, and basically the, the point of the, 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 the goal of the game is to survive long enough that you reach a ceasefire. And you never know when that ceasefire will come. It could be 10 days out. It could be 30 days out. It could be longer. Um, and to live functionally with the people in your house. Things happen all the time, and everyone has sort of uh, a lot of different ticking clocks. They have a hunger gauge. They have sort of an emotional gauge. Uh, some of them, like, you know, are addicted to cigarettes, and if they can't find a cigarette, that's going to be a problem. Uh, everyone needs to eat and sleep and drink and sort of rotate a management of these that accommodates the other people. Uh, but also, like, every choice you make carries something. So, like, if you wind up killing an old man and leaving him there while his wife mourns over his body so that you can bring home enough food for everyone to eat tomorrow, your character is going to get suicidal real fast and then he doesn't want to do anything and can't do anything because he's just, he's not a human being anymore and he knows the, re the repercussions of these choices. Uh, so it's a fun game. It's just really <laughs> goddamn fun. Uh, and there's an expansion that uh, is a part of it uh, called The Little Ones. Uh, which adds in children to the game, which it just seems they're they're trying to do an incredibly accurate representation of a city under siege. It is the most oppressive, brutally sad experience that that you could choose to engage in. Uh, and uh, that is why when we started the show and I saw that somebody took this video game and made it into a board game, I was like, 
who would do that and who would then do that to their friends to make them play that. And now I am that person, too. And so I have regrets about my choices. Uh, so that's that is the video game. And you've played a little bit of it, too. I have. Um, it's not a perfect comparison. It's not even a great comparison. But the closest thing that it made me think of was like Fallout Shelter, that um, mobile first game where you're kind of, or any really of those like sort of base building games just with a very un um like very dark theme and very dark skin to it but i yeah i played i i played enough to know that the priest who runs the nearby parish is a dick um he's holding out (laughs) on supplies that that my my people need and i i am a sucker i've always said this like the the thing that you can give me in a video game um serious or not that makes me want to play it is a morality system and Mm -hmm. that this is this is a game with clearly a very strong morality system the things that you do matter not only to your party as a whole but like to how literally how functional your characters can be like you said so um i I, it's not it's not a type of video game the the like base building thing is not something that i necessarily gravitate towards but in this instance i found a lot of the world building that they had done to be to be really interesting but i I wanted to i wanted to ask kind of as a follow-up to that too um and i prepped you for this ahead of time so hopefully you had time to think about it you know, like it's it's a weird it's a weird idea for a video game on paper, right? To like play civilians in a war zone, um, and to play people that are basically going to have to like grapple with death, but may or may not actually die. But my understanding is, is somebody who kind of keeps half an eye on the video game world is that the in, a lot of indie developers have you started using video games over the last four or five years as a place to tell these kind of stories to provide people with interactive experiences for everything from like being in a war zone to dealing with cancer to dealing with depression like the indie game world from my knowledge has become an incredibly robust place for telling really difficult and i guess the kind of stories you might not understand unless you were able to have some sort of a first person experience with it um so how does this fit kind of into the broader trend there uh so there is an idea that people have sort of figured out that there is um the interactive experience of video games can allow people to feel choices in a way that say, I, I think the comparative to this would have been like a, an art house cinema film about people trying to survive and it would be sad, but the audience would never be complicit in making the choices necessary to d- survive. So like when you decide that, you know what, I'm just not going to feed the child anymore because I've got to keep this other guy alive because he's the one that does all the cooking and I'm going to I'm going to let a kid die like that's a choice that you're making for the benefit of everyone else there you could see it on screen and be like that sucks Uh, but to have to actually make that choice yourself or to choose to feed the kid and then everyone winds up dying anyway there is there's a weight in these choices that that games can do well and it's not just about being a huge fucking bummer. It can also be about education. It can be about, you know, sharing almost any form of human experience. Uh, and uh, sort of the general term that we have for them at this point is uh, empathy engines, uh, which uh, my my friend uh, Elizabeth Sampat wrote a book about how to build an empathy engine. Uh, it is sort of like, how do you create a, an interactive system that, you know, carries weight to it without being heavy handed? Because like uh, early on, like there's, there's enough games from like the late 2000s where it's like you've got to make a hard choice, but you're not really making a hard choice. And at the end, it right, wants to right. yell at you that you're a bad person. But like 
it's the Bioshock problem. It's fine. It, it's it's interesting, but it's not as interesting as it could be. And we've we, it was a good stepping stone to get to where we are now. Um, and what these get to do is to to create these much more complicated situations uh, and to do this. So uh, you brought up earlier uh, that uh, that Dragon Cancer is a game about experiencing like cancer in your life made by somebody who lost their child to cancer. Um, a game that I've covered uh, is uh, is about sort of sex trafficking uh, in in the Middle East, uh, made by people that were sex trafficked, uh, and uh, they're they're trying to create the situation that shows you like why somebody would fall into that and and how like that things would happen. But also there's there's stuff that's much more simple. Like uh, there's a a couple of games from a French company called uh, A Normal Lost Phone. Uh, which is basically the experience that you play it on your iPhone of finding somebody else's iPhone uh, and you are trying to figure out who it is so you can give it back to them. But in the process, you just keep opening all their apps and using information from one app, like the text messages to figure out password hints on other apps to open those things up. And in the process, you're really spying on somebody's life, but getting a good picture of them. But uh, you can also like find out like, wow, they're actually uh, in a situation where they're experiencing a lot of abuse. Uh, and and seeing how like they refuse to get help for that or trying to get help for that things like that. it you can touch on things that are not as as set in stone as like you know it is good that people tried to survive at war uh, you can get into much grayer areas with these things especially when that element of choice is presented so this game uh, has sold 4.5 million units as of a couple of weeks ago uh, across a bunch of different platforms uh, you can play it on your iPhone uh, this war of mine you can get it off the mm-hmm. app store uh, a version of it was just released onto the Nintendo Switch that includes uh, a bunch of expansions that they've done over the years that add, you know, other little elements of things. Um, but it's all it is all heavily based in a realism around the Sarajevo experience, but also around they've they've pulled from several different places over the years. And like now they're, you know, five, six years and is still adding new content to it, which is amazing. And they clearly have a point here. And I it is such a goddamn awful experience but it also presents a realism in a way that they did the research like this isn't just like they set up a bunch of like here's a resource management like base builder thing based on just like what we think war might be like and like i don't know there's achievements for this stuff and like go out and do stuff it is it is also important to state that like uh you are in a war zone and i mentioned before like you could wind up you know killing somebody uh this isn't a combat game. Like at some point you can kind of get your hands on like a gun or two. You probably have access to a knife from the start, but this is all, this is all non-combat people, non-professional soldiers just trying to get by. So any sort of violence that happens in this game comes from a place of like a brutal human instinct of just like, I don't know, like if I've got to get out of here, then I've just got to stab this priest as many times as I can. Uh, and, and nothing, nothing fuck is that cool. Yeah. Well, fuck that priest. He's not a great guy, but nothing is, nothing is cool or flashy. And like, it is very funny in that way that they chose to do this because it, it is, uh, Hey, what's a thing that sells well across every platform and, and all of the time, the, the history of video games, it's, it's a war game. So like, what if we made a call of duty, uh, it was just sad that showed you what was happening, uh, in the houses around where the soldiers were fighting for the, the secondary characters. Um, and, and those are the real human beings. 
Uh, and my my God, it sucks. It it's such a good game. <laughs> it is such a good representation of things, but it just it just hurts. It's like being covered by a, a large blanket that's weighted and on fire. Uh, it is a miserable experience. And again, so now there's a board game. <laughs> yeah, and I like I like that you brought up Bioshock too because I you know I played a ton of games with the morality system, but a lot of those basically boil down to like you can either be all powerful or you can choose not to, right? Like when you play Fallout, your choice is like, I can kill everyone in this town and take all of their resources and never have to worry about money again, or I can be good. And that's the, that like trade-off is completely arbitrary. It's basically demanding that the player, like the benefits of being evil are so, on paper, so outweigh the idea of, of being a good person that like, if you're just playing the game, if you're just playing the mechanics of the game, like of course you will just, do the path of least resistance the entire time but the thing that this war of mine does which i like is it 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 takes that like the unbalanced scale of good versus evil and really just Mm. like gets rid of it entirely because like if you play this really viciously and vindictive you're it doesn't necessarily leave you in a better off position because the people you rely on won't trust you they'll turn against you they'll get depressed they'll you know they they'll ultimately kill themselves if they feel like they've been complicit to complicit to acts of war um and that it, great, it, it that is a depression system. simulator in that way that you know yeah. if you're a, if you have one character that's just a shitty person everyone else gets bummed out and they're like hey i'm living with a murderer but also it's important to note that I, what i was talking about with the bioshock problem is that um uh, so for listeners that didn't play the game, and I'm sure this isn't spoilers more than a decade later, uh, your character in that game, uh, you can choose to murder small little girls and harvest uh, cells from them. Uh, and those cells become sort of your in-game currency that allows you to upgrade and become sort of a godlike character. Uh, or you can choose to save them by helping them get to safety, uh, and, and but then you don't get the cells. But the problem of that game is that if you choose to go that good route, which ostensibly should make the game harder, uh, people just wind up coming out of the the walls to give you like little surprise packages that are thank you gifts that contain the cells that help you become a god. So like if you choose to be good, it doesn't actually carry the the weight that it was supposed mm. to. It all winds up being equal at the end of the day. So it's like, well, I, I mean, I could be bad and then all I do is carry with me Uh, both the scars of murdering a bunch of children, but also the fact that everyone hates me. Uh, Or you can be good, and everything is still the same. It's like, no, it it shouldn't be. If you do it right, it should make the game incredibly hard because you're like, well, I I went this virtuous route, but the virtuous route is harder. And that, you know, we get to this game where it's like, like, as you've said, you can go the most fucking brutal route imaginable. It won't help sometimes. Or sometimes it does. Or sometimes, like... Yeah, it, it, every, every, it, the choices here have weight, and you're always reminded of that. Uh, and there's often not a right answer, which makes it hard, especially as like the sort of kid that, like, I think we talked about this before on our Fallout episode. Like, oh, I've always played like the Fallout games, like the virtuous route, because like I'm a good boy and I'm still a gifted kid from grade school, and I just want everyone to like me and appreciate how smart I am. But like, playing the bad route is maybe the good smart way to do this but like it it not that much uh so it it just makes everything hard it is it is a game of muddied waters everything is just gray (laughs) yeah and to pivot um and talk a little bit about the the 
mechanics of the board game, I think that, that it takes the complicated kind of morality of that and actually does a pretty good job translating that to the to the tabletop version. So the the board game adaptation of this War of Mine sort of follows the same general outline of the video game that Brock has discussed, which is, you know, daytime you are in a house, which is represented by different spaces on the board that you can go to. You can harvest resources. It's a gigantic can... board as well. Like it, oh, it's it, it takes board. up an entire table. It's there is there is so much in this. <laughs> yeah, it is a huge board, and like every space is like the size size of a playing card, and there's you know twenty different spaces. So you're talking about a huge board. During the daytime, you go, you take your your different characters who have um, actions. You know the video game works with sort of a timer where once it, you hit the evening. Um, whatever you actions you've started people doing, it's just done. You move on to the next phase of the game. Whereas the board game kind of adjusts that by saying that your character's physical and mental well-being dictates the number of actions they can take during the day. So they can, you know, unlock doors or root through furniture. And it really will take you a couple of rounds just to explore the house that you live in. It's not something where you collect all of your resources all at once and be off with it. But the daytime is for kind of pulling resources from the area you've decided to hunker down in. The nighttime is about sending out people um, on exploration, sending them, like Brock said in the video game, to a local supermarket or a church or you know an abandoned gas station or something, and trying to collect as much resources and carry back what you can carry back to the base. And meanwhile, you have somebody who is staying behind to defend against invading um, forces, or not even invading forces, but people who you know, are in just as desperate a situation as you and come looking for resources from you. You know, they might, they're trying to break into your house not to necessarily hurt you, but because they're out of food or they're out of medicine and they need that. So that is the, the mechanics of the game follow pretty closely to the video game version as well, which is basically, you know, consolidating resources from your territory, going out and exploring other territories, defending your home at night from potential invaders. And throughout all of this, there are different points in the board game where they make you check in on the well-being of your characters. There's a cold meter where the temperature outside drops, and every time you flip over an event card, you know you have to deal with the fact that it's getting colder and colder. And if you haven't patched up some of the holes in your uh, that are in your building, you're not going to be able to deal with that. There's also times of the day where you have to feed and give water to your characters. And if you don't feed or give water to your characters, then their hunger or their misery levels go up, which affects the amount of actions that they have. There's parts of the game where you have to deal with sort of um, putting medicine on different characters, or if you don't have medicine, then their conditions can deteriorate. Characters that were ill can get sicker. Characters that were depressed can get more depressed. And they even pulled in some of those addiction things as well. So you have to resolve each individual characters, and you start with three, but you can have up to four, each individual character's state of being, and they might be addicted to tobacco, or they might be addicted to coffee. And if you don't have coffee or tobacco for them, they get even more miserable. This is this is a board game that, that is a very, probably more than anything else we've done, is probably because it was dealing with such clearly linea linear mechanics in the video game adaptation, it is a almost an exact replica of the general stages and gameplay functions from this War of Mind the video game. But it is an incredibly, and I think this is a positive, we'll get into it later, it's a very, very, very fiddly game. There are hundreds of small tokens that represent everything from supplies that you can pick to resources that you need to con like deteriorating conditions for your characters. And you really do have to keep a bird's eye view on pretty much everything as you're going through this game. Because there is a lot in this game to keep an eye on. 
Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. It is a complicated hell of a time. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about about the gameplay before I, I go on my rant? <laughs> um, yes, um, I, I can talk about... Well, no, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. There, there is a mechanic in this game that I love more than any mechanic that I've encountered in a video game wow. or in a board game before. So I will save. Let's start. Let's start um, a little negative and let's pivot back into the positive. But in general, yes, this is. I, I will say this. This is an important distinction. This is a game that can play one to six players. It is a single mm-hmm. player game. It's a single player game. You can cooperatively do things with other people because you're not not everybody is playing an individual character like right. the games we've discussed before fallout or like the thing like you are collectively guiding these group of survivors through the survival process and so you're basically it's just table talk it is very it, it is like the most complicated version of pandemic you'll ever play where as a group <laughs> you're deciding what you're doing with shared resources you have on the board that's um, a really good version so yeah so it's it's definitely like I, I did play this with my wife. Andrea and I played this for a bit together. Um, and she actually picked up on it pretty quickly because I was able to kind of condense the rules to the um, the smallest version of it. But it, it really, like, this is a game that I will probably mostly ever play solo and be very happy with that. But we'll get into that in a second because Brock has mm. thoughts with the trademark symbol. Hi. Uh, I hate this. And here's why. Um, I love the game. Game's very good game has a lot of mechanics I find interesting and and if you grab the game uh, there's also like once you've finished your first playthrough where you die I've never seen an end to this game um, you can actually go in and program your own version of it you can figure out like hey what uh, locations do you want to be uh, there what sort of other options do you want is it winter is it not winter uh, some of the things that are variables uh, in the game you can it is, it is that element of it that I find in the video game is so interesting that it, it really leans into that educational version of it because, like, as you're selecting those things, it sort of tells you, like, what this was based on uh, and and where the idea came from and, and why it matters that it's there. And you're like, hey, like e- even if you don't set it up, like, it's a fun thing to just, like, flip through and be like, okay, this is, like, the, the archetype of the situation that this was herein or like somebody's story that this was based on and, and like that's it's so cool it is a historical document of of what they do um but for how much i love the video game this board game doesn't count for our fucking show because it is not an adaptation it is a port this is the entirety of the video game on a table it's just the game. No one tried to make it work any differently. No one tried to take anything out or add anything more. There is a story booklet that contains 2,000 paragraphs of events that you refer back to. They're just the events from the game. The guys that made the game took the game and made it into a board game in that you can play the game. And this is what I love about it is that as an artifact, like if you were a game designer fucking buy this today especially if you're a video game designer because video game designers rarely ever get to like peel back the curtain and see everything back there and this game is that it is the entirety of all the random events that could happen it is every space and every location and every idea and every 
element. Like, there's nothing that was taken out from the game to get to here, which means, why the fuck don't I just play the game where I don't have to set out a thousand tokens and keep track of the math of everything? It is a solitary game, and I'm, I love that we're on the same page about this because it is a solitary experience. It's about loneliness. It's about pain. It's about sadness. It does, and, and even when you have friends to come play it with, you're all sort of collectively working on this, which it, it doesn't mean that somebody has like a different experience. You all have a shared experience. So why isn't it just a single player experience? So once again, why isn't it just the game? So I just, I vehemently, <laughs> so hard dislike that I have it because I have the game. I like playing the game. I, I think that the game is very good. I think that, uh, you know, by transitive property here, this is also very good, but this is not a better version of the game. In fact, if there was anything that, like, if I had a friend that was like, hey, I would like to experience, you know, this uh, sadness rainbow uh, that is this war of mine, there's no version of the world in which I would say, like, you know what? Spend two hours setting up this board and all these pieces and learning these rules to do it. I would just say, hey, grab this controller, and two minutes later, they're in it and already like, okay, I see what's happening. And within that, they also have a visual representation of it. They also have music. They also have, you know, a better version of the randomized events and animations. Like, it's so upsetting to me that I played this because why? This, there's a, I joked when we first started the show, like, there's no reason for this to exist. But I thought, like, you know, I'll get this, and it'll be, like, a different version of things. It is, it is the game with the coding language removed, and now you are the coding, and you've got all the other stuff, and you have to make it work. You have to make all the connections. You have to pull these things together and do the math and move the pieces, and I, I hate it. I hate it so much, which is, which I'm, it is slightly exaggerated to say I hate it because I love what the game is, and this has to still be the game by the nature of this, but Why? why and for who and that's why when i saw you like on twitter being like this is fun I, I just wanted to yell at you like but the game is there and you could have the same experience in the game it, and and that game is better than this game but they're the same game like i just don't understand so i'm really fascinated to hear what you enjoyed oh yeah i i fucking love this game um which is Probably, I, I have a feeling this is the most we'll ever disagree on a game, or certainly feels like the most we'll ever disagree on a game, so I'm really excited for the conversation. But um, I think, I, think I, I also really strongly disagree with something you said just a minute ago, not about kind of the way the game plays versus the video game, but the idea that this is not an adaptation and it doesn't count. I think that this is a really interesting example of an adaptation because it takes so much um, wholesale, like literal translations from what the video game is doing, but th the video game, the video game doesn't hold my attention. And I know that that's sort of how a, a, I, I know that's <laughs> sort of I, I know that's sort of a, a mean thing to say, but there's a very specific reason for it, and that is I don't like the kind of games, and I, I never really have, where I have to keep track on a timer of all the various people that I have on the board that are doing various things like re that kind of resource management type that is not that is tied to real time concerns where I have a clock that's ticking down and I have a guy dig through a rubble pile and then I watch his little indicator, you know, 60 seconds tick down like that to me is not fun because I'm basically just like to me, 
the mechanics of the game become like, am I using all of my clock? Like, am I remembering to, is there somebody that's not doing th- something or sitting somewhere? Should I be putting them somewhere else? For this for the this war of mine in particular, the video game version, so much of the game for me is just spent like careening my cursor back and forth across the screen to try and view as much of the place as possible because I can't remember what people are or aren't doing. The mechanics of the video game take me out of the experience of the video game. Whereas with the board game, it's the exact opposite. The mechanics to me are so much more immersive because I have that bird's eye view. Because there is no clock, there are only a finite amount of actions, I don't feel like I have to rush. I can take my time with each character's decision. I can think about it. I can put them where I think they're going to be the, you know, do the most damage. I can I can decide to have somebody build something, or I can decide to have two people try and dig up rubble. And the very reason that you don't like that is why I like that, because it is allowing me to dictate pace. I don't like timers. I don't like being told I have X amount of time to complete different stuff. And so everything in this game, like the closest this game gets to a timer, which is the mechanic that I was talking about earlier that I loved, is the exploration deck, which is where you, um, when you send people out to go search neighboring territories, there are three that are face up on the board. So there are three locations and they're usually versions of, again, supermarkets or gas stations or things like that. Um, But depending on how close they are to you, which is basically just the order that they come off the deck, there you get more or less exploration cards. And what those are, they're cards that you flip over and they're things that you do. You flip over a card, it says do this or do that or do this other thing. And then once you're done with those, it's 10, 12 or 14. Once you're done with those cards, your exploration is over and you have to head back to base. But the game incorporates those cards to be part of the the currency of it. So there are times where the things that you encounter, you can either like basically have an out and out conflict or you can discard your encounter cards or your um, your location cards, which effectively means you have less opportunities to do stuff, but it gives you a more a, a less risky path to process that. So and that to me is so much more interesting and more fun than just waiting for the sun to come up and being like, I got to run around the board and decide like I like again, it boils down to I like being able to control to be able to think things through to be able to process before I make my decision. And so I hate the clock in this War of Mind, the video game, and I love the actions in this War of Mind, the board game, and it just, like, the the one difference, really the only difference between these two things makes it work for me, make, it goes from not working to working for me, not because I think that one is good or one is bad, it's just a complete preference in play style. I guess my only uh, response to that would be, have you considered that you are, are bad and wrong? Have I considered that I'm a control freak? Yes, possibly. <laughs> no, I didn't call you megalomaniac. Like, <laughs> I do enjoy that you're like, I just like controlling everything, which, yeah, that I, that rings true with me uh, as well. So that's, I get that. The, I'm, I'm just so perplexed that the timer bugs you because I hate games that have a timer, but I've never been playing this game and had the timer affect my choices like it's just it it, it it runs so slow like it's never been like I've never once like run out of time for anything I is it just the presence of it that bugs you yeah I think so and I think maybe even if it was a finite uh, like if it didn't use a timer but it used like again some version of resources like actions in the video game okay. I think I, I would be more into that if it if you started each day with a set amount of things and then as you did okay. stuff, those things went away. I, that would work for me. But 
just the fact that that the clock is kind of always ticking like my thing is never i i end up not thinking about um i found every time i play this war of mine the video game i found myself uh, not thinking about what what do my characters need but what can i accomplish in the time allotted to me and that okay. is a very different emotional experience than when i play the board game and my action is what do my characters need i ne- i've never once had to consider that metric but also you seem like somebody that takes a lot of time planning out what you want to do and i just do things well when i'm playing when i'm playing this game in particular since it is really a solitary it's a single player game like obviously if i was playing with a group of people that's a little bit different but i like i like being able to um to take my time with the decisions and because because there's so much like and this is like the analysis paralysis thing, right? Because mm. you are constantly juggling 600 different things. Like your right. characters are at worst, your characters can have five, I think five attributes that you're juggling. Uh, one is misery. One is illness. One right. is wounds. One is hunger. And one is um, also worth noting that like, it's not the, the thing is not happiness. It's misery. It's a misery oh, yeah, scale. Sure. That's what kind of game this is. Exactly. Like they don't care if the characters are happy or not. But like because it's so fiddly, because there are so many pieces to keep an eye on, like for me, I I need to be able to stop and like think about it. And that's why some of those like build a better base games, like a Fallout Shelter, there I always reach a point with them where I stop playing because they're it, they get so complex and you have so much stuff going on, and the game basically just keeps spitting stuff at you. And I'm like, wait, I need a minute to like stop and think about it. Um, I like the fact that this that the board game version of this has the same end game which is like well you thought about it all you wanted but it didn't fucking matter and all of your characters have killed themselves i don't feel like i'm you know sacrificing the experience of having things spiral out of your control or making decisions or like making the wrong decision because it's the immediate decision versus the long-term one i feel like the mechanics of that in this game stay pure um and right. I, I get to i get to still have that experience that i would with the clock but it gives me the time that I need to, to feel like I'm actually getting the most out of this as opposed to sort of reaching a point where I'm like, I, I don't really, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And I don't have time to really think things through in the way that I would like to. Well, I find that interesting because like a, a fallout shelter is also something that uh, I lose interest because everything seems to start working so well at a certain point. Like there's a, there's a neurotypical element here that perhaps we are very different about. <laughs> Well, maybe you're just better at these types of games than I am because I quit playing Fallout Shelter when everything is on fire. I think that we're just inverse human beings. That's very interesting to learn from this. There's a very specific detail where we uh, differ. <laughs> but uh, like, I, you know, there, this game in particular too, like I think I think the other part of this equation, talking about the, the time and the, the um, time management versus action management is one part of the equation. But... I really like the fiddly shit. Like, I like picking pieces out of the box. And admittedly, I've never had and probably never will have a board game that is this brutal to set up. And once I put it away the first time, I put things, because they give you, they give you like a lot of games, those like nine grid um, plastic inserts that allow you to put pieces there. When I put the game away, I put all of the pieces clumped together in the areas in the game that I knew I would want them at, which allows me, I think the next time I break it out again, it's going to be a lot faster. But admittedly, the first time I played this game, I was like, I'm going to play this game tonight on Friday. And it took me an hour and a half to set up. And I was like, I'm going to leave it up and go to bed now because I don't <laughs> I don't have the energy to play the game that I just spent the last hour and a half setting up. 
Um, oh, but, but like I like the Fiddly experience pieces. with us. Like uh, we, I took it with me to vacation with my wife, and by the time I was done setting it up, was like I don't want to play. <laughs> yeah, I, I it, it's 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 a beast. But once you're in the flow of things, like I like the tactile thing. I like being able to like touch the different pieces and like pick a piece up and then think about it and put it back down. Um, or, you know, and flip over, like it's extremely good when you feed a character in the, this war of mine, you're like, Oh great. You're fed. You have food now. But like when you feed a character in this war of mine, the board game, you flip over a token to move their hunger down. And like, it's the little things. It's like the tactile sense of being able to touch and, and maneuver and manage your character's state of being by flipping over tokens, by giving them things or taking things away. Um, maybe this is just where I'm at with my, with like how I enjoy gameplay is doing all this fiddly shit, which is by far, if you're somebody who wants to get this experience, like this, you should never touch this board game because there are so many fiddly bits. But if you do like that, like I like having the pieces, I like maneuvering them and I like being in charge of flipping them over and things like that. And to me, it just, it makes it feel like so much more of an immersive experience because I forget in this war of mine, the video game, like I forget. I'm like, I don't, I, what, when did you get so depressed? I didn't know you were so depressed. Like, when did that happen? Whereas in this game, I'm always, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm always hyper aware of where my characters are because I, I have like done the process of taking, like they've gone from two to three. So I have to literally take one health meter, put it back in the box and take another health meter out. Like, and then that, that to me, that process of doing that is like an, oh shit, I need to keep an eye on this one in particular. Like the fiddly bits just are so much more immersive to me for the gameplay of this. And I'm, I can't imagine that that would be the same for Everyone, not even half the people I hate it. I hate hearing you talk about it. It makes me so bored and to think that, like, why? But, yes, okay, That's I guess that's a personality difference there. But also, like, I get why you're saying, like, that means that you're aware of all the things. And, and to be fair, like, this is what I said about it, too. Like, this is the port, and it, it is like looking at the spreadsheet behind the scenes there's a lot of stuff like that happens in the game where it's like, oh, I didn't know that somebody was actually that bad off. And you were like, I can see the numbers because I've had to move it into the box. And that reminds me that this matters. It just, it just seems like so much, bud. <laughs> it is. And, and I, I will, like, I'm, you know, I'm clear headed enough about this to say that not everything works. The, um, <laughs> the, afore, the aforementioned script that you talked about, the 2,000 paragraphs or whatever that, are, that basically form sort of a choose-your-own-adventure, they're, right. they're fine. They don't, add, they don't add much to the narrative of the game itself. I think what they are intended to do and what works better in the video game than in the board game is just to give you a slice of life uh, for what yeah, a lot of it's people... Yeah, it's tone. And, and, yeah. and like you said, like mo most of these things aren't like... Hey, guess what? Now there's soldiers or something. It's just like, today's gray, and that's what makes everyone sad. And we remember a time when the rains would come, and you're like, all right, well, th there's that. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you a question, too, Brock, about this. So how do you uh -huh. feel about a game that you are that you, you just aren't going to win? Um, because right. <laughs> this, is not, this is not a game that you are going to... You could play this game a hundred times and maybe win it a handful of times. So does right. that turn board games or video games? Does that experience turn you off of something? So when, when I got the uh, the version like post one of my video game runs, when I noticed that I could you know edit my next game and like make all the choices, I was like, you know what? I want to see what the end game looks like. I'm gonna make it as easy as possible. All the locations are places that don't have soldiers. Uh, it'll never get cold outside. 
the ceasefire will come in like 10 days and I'll, I'll, I'll do this and be fine. I didn't make it to the 10 days. Like on the, uh, on the like medium hard setting I did, I, I made it to like 15 days once. Uh, on the easiest setting, I didn't make it to 10. And that was when I was like, oh yeah, I am where you are. It is unwinnable. Um, <laughs> it is obviously winnable. There is a version, but in both the board game and this, I've never seen it. So, kinda. What do you think? I've never, I've never really felt like I appreciated why people talk about Dark Souls the way that they do until <laughs> until I played this. No, and that that's a legitimate thing. Like, I, if if no, you're I not familiar with the Dark Souls franchise, like, you, obviously because that name alone, saying those words aloud, should have given you PTSD. But, you know, I, games that I haven't actually played, <laughs> um, but I do know, like, I'm very aware of people that play them. My, my brother has played them on a regular basis. And so they're, they're legendarily, by design and by audience appreciation, the most difficult video games ever. They are incredibly hard. You're not supposed to win them. And if you do win them, you're supposed to feel really, really good about yourself. And I appreciated <laughs> that sort of objectively. Like, I like things that you can't win. I like... I have always been a fan of permanent death in video games, um, especially with online games. Okay. Like when your character dies and, and your character stays dead. I like the idea of Dark Souls, although I don't like fighting games. I'm not very good at them, so I, I won't ever play it. But to me, I like this because I have played this through twice. And both times, every character killed themselves. Like, didn't just die. Like, didn't get <laughs> sick and died. Every single character <laughs> killed themselves both times because things got so bad that they couldn't see a way out. And that's really sad and like i'm not going to forget that anytime soon because that's that's sort of a powerful thing to have happen in a video game is the realization that like this is the way it is more often than not so like from a narrative perspective the fact that that i'm playing these games that are taking place in this real scenario and like the game reminds me that like this is hell for people and this is there are so many people out there where you know ending your own life is is a understandable and viable alternative to continue to live in these like horrible conditions like that's moving from a from a narrative standpoint but from a gameplay standpoint i like it like i like the fact that i'm going to play this game until i win it and then probably play it again to prove that that wasn't a fluke i feel like i'm getting a world of experience out of this because like you have to everything has to go perfect for you to win this game like you have to make so many you have to stack together so many good decisions and you have to be so smart with how you use resources and, and you have to really in like some ways too <laughs> yeah it's just like to me to me that's cool i like not being able to win i like games that i won't win um but that makes I, it i will give you this about the dark souls element of it which ties into what you just said about uh everything has to go right it is a game where when the most middle of the road okay-ish thing happens, you do react as if you've just fucking gold medaled something. You're yes, like, yes, yes, yes. I I I didn't kill myself last night. And and there was a part of that that like in playing it, I'm always just like, oh, I see myself represented on screen. Uh but that is it that sort of depression joke takes a real backseat to the fact that I'm like, this is based on real shit and uh so my uh middle class white boy experiences don't count and and sort of shitty to even think that way but it is it does share an experience and it it is i think i don't i i can't imagine another thing that competes in this but like 
it is the best gamic representation of depression i've ever seen and Mm. some of the and like it's a wartime depression so it's not that much but also like you know i've had characters kill themselves that like never left the house uh they just you know sleeping went badly and they didn't like their food and they just looked at the world around them and they're like i fuck it i'm out and i'm like okay so like it is uh it is it is a real response to everything in the world around you being fucked and i think that that's just incredible i to make it to make it feel like it it was also somehow your fault uh but also like to represent it that way is so interesting and no one else does this <laughs> yeah and if the if the purpose of the game from the designer's perspective is to to shed light on something to allow you to experience something um that is as terrible and as tragic as you know surviving in these war zones it, it couldn't you, you couldn't make an easy game how emotionally compromised would this war of mine the video game or the board game feel if you were basically like i've got two machine guns and a stockpile of food and i spend all day long just shooting out of the window as people my serfs like bring me more stuff this couldn't be gangs of new york or sorry not gangs of new york escape from new york like you couldn't make this escape from new york this had to be this difficult for them to tell the story that they wanted to tell and I appreciate the fact, too, that when things happen to your characters, they tend to happen in waves. Like, it's not just that one character dies and you're like, oh, okay, well, I got two more and we're going to chug along. Like, once things get bad for one character, your entire group is affected to the point where all of my characters died at the same time once because they were all sort of, this one event had happened to all of them. It had gotten um, cold outside and they couldn't survive the cold. And so it, it all happened to them together at the same time. They all died. Um, and it was just, you know, it's, it's things like that where I'm like, this is so difficult, but it feels like, it feels like they're really trying to tell something genuine here. And I like that. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So this is normally the part of the podcast where we would talk about whether (laughs) you and I would recommend this this stuff. Oh God. Okay. So let me, let me know. Let me, let's start with. Let's contextualize this a little bit more. Um, obviously, you uh, are not going to recommend this game um, for either for, for fans of the video game, and probably may, well, maybe for board gamers in general. I'll, I'll let you talk about that. But no, let's... I, I, I I would recommend this to like as I said before, if you want to make video games, buy the shit out of this. It's pretty cheap, and like it is just all the documentation that makes the game function. It's kind of fascinating in that way. I've spent more time reading the book than I have doing the game, but also like looking at how the mechanics work. And I'm like, oh, this is like this, this board game must have been how they planned out the video game. Uh, It's like reverse engineering this, but they already had it. So like, it's not a big deal to, to release it. Like it's, it is fascinating to look at it in that way and be like, okay, well, this is how this thing functioned. Like I've learned a lot about game design from it. And I find that fascinating. So I do if you are somebody that wants to see how this works, I recommend it. If you just want to have this experience that I think that they set out to do, and especially because they set out to do it and made it and sold 5 million copies, please just grab the fucking game. You can grab it on iOS. You can grab it on every like console. You can get the new version on the Switch. Like It's really worth your time. Those are my recs. <laughs> so let me, let me ask a question then um, before I, I weigh in, probably unsurprisingly. What... <laughs> More specifically, what is a scenario in which you see yourself, or or can you see yourself ever playing this game again? No. So what are you going to do with it? 
Trade it? You should trade I it. Do, I don't know. I don't think I have a place to trade it to. Like, I don't know who else would want it. If you know what it is, you know it to be like, wow, what a sad, weird experience. Why would I want to take that home with me? I feel like you're the first person to, like, really make a case for why somebody should play it in a way that they should, like, go back and repent, reprint the box with, like, your quote on it. Like, mm. you've, you've made a really compelling case for it. And I, I agree with a lot of what you said and or at least think it's interesting. <laughs> Uh, what did uh, <laughs> what did what did Vivian have to say about this? Oh, uh, she was exempt from this. Uh, this went to other people. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you can like if if you're in the board game community, Board Game Geek actually has a pretty robust store that allows you to put stuff on wish lists where you're like want to own, would own, and there's a secondary trading market as part of that. So. Um, I think you could probably find a, a happy home for this if you need to. I would, I would, I would buy your copy from you, but I already have one, so, so there it is. Um, obviously, I mean, I, I, I will for all the reasons that you've said, I will backpedal from an enthusiastic yes to people that like this war of mine, the video game, to a soft yes of people that like the video game should buy and play this board game. I think that you're you're right. If you like the game, you like the game. It's it is that I'm outraged by it in this way that makes me shout. So I don't know. <laughs> I think I think that it it is like it. The video game board game thing, you know, there there is less crossover than you would think because you think people are into like systems of gaming. But my experience has always been that that people do both, but they sort of have a preference one for the other. So if you really like the video game, odds are you're probably more into the indie video game scene. And the fit, like manipulating pieces on a board for hours at a time may not be your idea of the best time. I'm going to play this game, actually. I've got friends coming over in a week or two. We're going to play this. And these are my, one of them is very familiar with the video game. Um, the other is part of that, uh, part of my core board game group. And I've put in the groundwork. I've been like, this is very depressing. We're going to play this together. It's super fiddly. I don't know if you're going to like it, but you have to try it because it's a totally unique experience. And they're both in. So I, I'm curious to see what, what they will say. If you are not a fan of this war of mine, if you are a board game fan, I will say this is probably the most I would ever recommend a game because the mechanics in this, are, it's just, it is such a <laughs> beautiful misery machine with one, <laughs> with one important caveat that we've already discussed. Buy this as a one player game. Buy this as a single player game. Do not buy this thinking that you are going to get your group of four or five people together one night and play this collectively because that will not be the optimal playthrough experience. Like this is a game that I will play um, I will take up the whole goddamn kitchen table to play this game by myself sometimes, but I think I think I will continue to put this out until, at the very minimum, until I can beat it, um, which may <laughs> never ever happen. But I think that if you love board games and if you're looking for good single player board games, and that's something I a question I see come up a lot on things like Reddit and Board Game Geek is like, what are good single player board games? This is an exquisitely good single player board game. You will have a great time you will have a time but you will feel very fulfilled both narratively and mechanically by the way that this game plays out so strongest possible recommend for solo game players soft recommend for people that like the video game uh, medium recommend for folks that are just board game fans strong recommend for people that are board game fans in general but know that you're you're it's not going to get on the table with your normal group like other stuff does i would have preferred to find out that you didn't warn them like how bad it was like guys come over and play this game it's just like a it's like a like a kind of different game 
Well, can you we might enjoy can, it. You might not. Can we end before we sign off? Can we end with you telling the story that you told me uh, via Twitter DMs when you were playing um, the last time you were playing through this War of Mine, the video game? Oh, what was the story? I forgot. <laughs> so this was this was how I framed it to my friends. I was like, "Oh, here, let me read this story that Brock told me about." And it was that <laughs> you had you that basically you had um, killed an old man or starved an old mm. man to death. And I, that's all I that's all I remember from it is is and that's that's the pitch that I'm using. And maybe it's just better. Maybe <laughs> that's the whole story is that you broke into an old folks' home and told all their food knowing that they were going right, to die. Right, the one that but... I told early in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you did already tell that. But yeah, that is that is how I that's how I've been framing it is like um, that specific story. I've been showing that to people. I've been taking a screenshot and sharing it with them. I'd be like, you want to play this board game? <laughs> it's nice that you put a little character voice on it. I think that that sells it. Okay, uh, that's been Adaptable. I'm Brock Wilbur. You can find me online at Brock Wilbur most places. Matt, where can people find you? can find me on the Twitter, um, which is usually where I post all the articles and stuff I've written. Uh, so it's a good one-stop one shop for me. And my Twitter handle is Labsplice, L-A-B-S-P-L-I-C-E. Um, can I ask we, you why? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, the, it's a Lab Splice. I used to be a projectionist um, when I was in high school and in college. And a Lab Splice is actually the chemical splice on a 35 millimeter print that comes with the lab that isn't at the beginning or the end of a reel. It's a place where they had to connect chemically sear together um, elements of film, usually in the middle of the reel. And so I worked at a, a movie house that was very specific that you had to hunt those out. Um, so you'd actually, <laughs> you would, uh, you would um, build the print and you would white glove it with one hand and actually let the, the film run between your two fingers so that you could feel a lab splice when it popped through because it's, it's, you recognize them if you see them on screen. It's that split second um, split. It looks like the end of a reel if you know to look for the cigarette burns like everybody does because of Fight Club. But it's like that. Um, <laughs> but it's from a projectionist standpoint, it's usually in the middle of a reel. So there isn't an obvious way for you to be like, oh, there's one. So we would always, right. cut, them, we would always cut them out and then splice it together because that was at least a, a bit more of a clean, um, a clean transition on screen. Um, I don't think most projection or most movie theaters cared as much as that one did so i'm grateful for the experience but yeah that's a lab splice and there's a metaphor in there about like connecting things and whatever i don't know i just think it's cool at this point i just think it's cool but hey if you like the show um and if you like my twitter <laughs> handle be sure to leave us a review on itunes stitcher whatever wherever you get your podcast from uh we would love you can reach out to either of us on twitter if you have games that you would like us to review adaptations of movies oh, television and video games we'd love to hear that uh, we're Please always take control of us. <laughs> yeah, we are always building out our Rolodex of games that we have to play. We have some very, very weird ones upcoming. So um, not as weird as this one, of course. I hope that all of you are excited for Narcos from Netflix, the board game. That is 1 million percent happening. And the most difficult proposition is that we're going to go have to watch Narcos, the television show, to know what the hell we're talking I about. I watched half of the first episode. Did you ever try? No, I didn't watch one. Is it good? Oh, all right. Oh no! I think I, I mean, no. I did finish the first season. Oh, really? Oh, very wow. forgettable. Yeah. Okay. No, that one's actually okay. All right. All right. That one's. That my, was my cousin loves to quote uh, a line from it whenever we get together, and every time I'm just like, I don't know why you want to quote this at me. Uh, it's just like a long, I love drugs, speech, and I'm just like, all right. Well, I guess you love drugs then. Cool. <laughs> special guest in our inevitable narcos episode yeah yeah Rock's let's not cousin. do that all right thank you guys for listening so much we'll see you guys next time bye